you know, we have to kind of get it out of our, our minds and look at it in front of us to be able to pick it apart a little bit, kind of separate ourselves from it, give it, give it some distance. So it's not just floating around in there. Like I always joke that it's like, it's like pulling the strings in the shadows, right? Like you don't really realize how much your thought process is influencing the way that you're feeling until you really take a step back and look at it. And as soon as you shine a light on that, things start to change. You can't change anything without being aware of what it is that's going on. Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. In today's episode, we acknowledge the growing awareness and acceptance of mental health within the pet industry. However, it's essential to recognize that current conversations may not provide sufficient resources for individuals struggling with pet-related mental health. Jess Adam, through her business Handlers and Humans, is creating a bridge to fill this gap. Jess and I discuss why telling someone to quote-unquote calm down is not an adequate solution when they're stressed about their reactive dog or any other situation in life. Jess advocates for a people-focused dog training approach. Through her resources, she enables dog trainers to guide clients through the emotions associated with raising and training a dog while also addressing their own feelings of frustration and burnout. Additionally, towards the end of our conversation, Jess provides tips on how to cope with significant emotions related to your pets. Her online course is available to pet partners, and she has an upcoming cohort designed specifically to assist dog trainers. Before I play the interview, I want to share some other resources that we have available here at Wear Wag Repeat to help with that overwhelm feeling. We are at the halfway point of 2023, if you can believe it. I hardly can. (laughs) And I want to know how you are coming with reaching the goals you set for yourself and for your business in January. Are you telling me you didn't set any goals? That can't be the case. I am a big advocate for setting goals because if you don't set goals, frankly, you're never going to reach them. And so if you didn't set any goals or if you need to kind of reassess where you are on your path, it is the perfect time to join Wear Wag Repeat Society. Our theme for the month of July is a mid-year check-in. I'm so excited about this lesson because for the last two years, we've done an end-of-year check-in every December to kind of assess how you did with reaching your goals through the whole year. This year in 2023, we're doing it in the very middle of the year so that you actually have time to course correct and reach those goals that you deserve to achieve. So head over to wearwagrepeat.com slash society. The lesson will be taught on the first Friday of the month live in our members-only Facebook group. It will be uploaded to our members forum on Teachable. And we also have a private members-only podcast for Wear Wag Repeat Society. If you join today, you will get access to all of that, plus the archives going all the way back to January 2021 when I launched the membership. 
It's a wonderful group of women in the pet industry that really support each other. It is women just like you and me. We are all in this together and we are here to support you. You don't have to feel overwhelmed because we provide the accountability to help you reach your goals. So if you are serious about making 2023 the best year yet in your pet business or just one that you can be really proud of, (laughs) doesn't have to be the best one ever, (laughs) come join us in Wear Wag Repeat Society. Again, it is wherewagrepeat.com slash society. Jess Adam of Handlers and Humans is a licensed psychotherapist and professor of counseling psychology with over a decade of experience in clinical mental health. She is also the proud owner of a lovable and reactive lab pit mix named Dio. When Jess and Dio were in the thick of dealing with behavioral issues, she realized working on her own emotional well-being would benefit them both. Now, her passion is to support the dog world with coaching and mental health resources for anyone who loves, lives with, or trains reactive, aggressive, or challenging dogs. Hi, Jess. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. This is just such a cool topic and what an awesome niche that you've built for yourself uh, and something that is definitely needed. I hear... I feel like I hear these buzzwords just all the time of compassion fatigue and mm-hmm. and and all kinds of things. Um, and that that's obviously a big issue. Yours is kind of helping people with reactive dogs, which is also a big buzzword, mm-hmm. I feel like. So um, let me stop talking and you you tell <laughs> us. <laughs> you yes. tell us what you do um and kind of how you got into this niche. Yeah. So I offer coaching to dog owners, but also dog trainers, canine professionals of any kind um, in group programs and in like individual um, kind of coaching programs as well, because what we all go through, whether we're an owner of a reactive dog, training reactive dogs, whatever it is, it takes a lot out of you, right? It is something that I always talk about being a long haul kind of process. So if you're committing to this dog, you're committing to a bit of a journey, right? So uh, in order to really continue to show up for them in ways that you know are sustainable for you as the human, whether again, you're the trainer or the owner, you really need to take care of yourself in a really like mindful, intentional way. So that's something that I try to support people in, in sort of whatever direction they need. I kind of got into this because of my own experiences, which I feel like is such a common story, right? That's what like trainers will say to me, right? Like, oh, I became a trainer because I had a tough dog. And I'm not going to lie. I absolutely even thought about becoming a trainer at one point because I was so like entrenched in the dog training world, trying to kind of help Dio and help myself through the things we were going through. But I love being a therapist and I can't really imagine doing anything else with my life. And I also spent all this time in school and all those things. And so I was like, I really don't want to walk away from the mental health field because it's just where I feel like I belong. And I was able to really bring together like those two passions, um, finding that dog training passion and then the mental health um, world as well. Um, The trainers that I worked with got really close with them, right? Spent a lot of time working with them as a client And they started to say things to me like, I really, I wish I could send my clients to you for therapy because they're really struggling or there's like a a dynamic in this couple that I don't know how to deal with. I feel like I'm doing therapy every time. 
they bring their dog to me. I don't know how to work with that. And eventually I started to think, well, I don't know, maybe you can, right? Like maybe you can bring your clients to me for specific, like niche oriented um, support. And it really resonated because I, I hit a pretty big wall at one point in my process journey, training experience with DO where, you know, I was really considering like, can I do this anymore? Am I going to be able to, you know, do I have what it takes here? And it really took a lot out of my mental health, my emotional well-being. And, you know, everyone thinks therapists like know what to do all the time. And we forget to use our own tools constantly. So I was like, wow, I really should start being a little bit more intentional about how I, how I approach things with him. And it made a huge difference. So those two pieces, you know, kind of inspired me to blend things together and create handlers and humans. I love it. Well, and I, as I was listening to you talk, I just kind of was thinking that, um, you know, we don't always have to seek help when things are like the worst and you can't take it anymore. Sometimes you just need help. Sometimes you don't even know you need help because it's just something that you're kind of like desensitized to. Mm. And you're like, this is just my life. This is what my life is like. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. Right. And I feel like I see pet parents all the time when I'm out in public um, who they're just really anxious about Mm -hmm. what their dog is doing, how their dog is behaving. And maybe they're not reactive, but like their dog maybe can't settle. And so Mm -hmm. the person's constantly fussing and touching. And, and I'm like, I just want to say, if you would settle, Mm -hmm. maybe your dog would also settle Maybe, right? Maybe. Um, <laughs> no, no guarantees, but it, you know, it is such a dynamic relationship of how mm-hmm. we react and act, um, and how our dogs kind of pick up on that energy. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And you know, so there's there's that message out there, right? That's like, if you're just less anxious, your dog will be less anxious, right? Which you know, I, it's not that I disagree that there's absolute truth to that. Like, how could there not be right? But it's almost like telling someone like, just calm down. Calm down, (laughs) Right. Right. I talk about that all the time. My Instagram, I'm like, if you hear this, I'm sorry, someone said this to you because it is pretty unhelpful. And, and it's like, there's, it's well-intentioned, right? It's not coming from a a place of like finger wagging or being, you know, it's not, this is why I never yeah. actually say this advice. I just think it's myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's and you're not wrong because again, how could we not influence one another, right? They influence us, we influence them. I always joke about like who who do you spend more time with than your dog? Like right now Dio is behind me snoring, right? So, and you know, my kids aren't in the room, they're elsewhere. My husband's at work. Like I'm with him even more than I'm with basically anyone else, honestly, and have been for the last nine years. So, you know, so of course I am going to influence him, but I also can't just snap my fingers and calm down when I'm anxious because like, I'm an anxious person. It's sort of baked into me a little bit. And I heard that a lot, right. Just kind of embody some, you know, embody confidence and all that. And yeah, I mean, I will try, but it doesn't quite work. And so that's where I try to help trainers um, shift that message, right? Make it a little bit more helpful, kind of frame it differently, give people tools. So you kind of mentioned earlier, like you hear the buzzwords like compassion, fatigue, and reactive dogs. And so, yeah, everyone is talking about mental health in the dog world right now, which is amazing, but there isn't so much like how and what and tools and concrete things out there. So I'm super glad that it is a topic of conversation, but we need the actual support there. And that's kind of like the gap that I'm trying to fill. 
yeah, it, it feels like um, we're kind of raising awareness and like pulling down the curtain mm-hmm. on talking about mental health. But I agree with you. I, I see a lot of content online of of really relatable dog moms like me who who say, "Oh my god, I I went on this dog walk and I came home and I'm crying and mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed and and it's wonderful that people can be so transparent about their struggles, but how do we help each other? Uh, and right. that's kind of where you come in. Right. Where do we go from here? And how do trainers help people kind of get there, right? Because dog trainers, I always like joke, but not joke that they're the therapists, right? Of the dog world, they are helping professionals. I'm a helping professional. So are nurses and doctors and dog trainers, honestly, you know, it's all about helping other people reach goals, supporting them through challenges, whatever the case might be. Right. And so how do we help those helpers get to a place where they're able to more successfully connect with the human client um, and kind of build that rapport and that safety and that trust, which is exactly what we focus on and, and you know try to prioritize with the dog. But we have to do it with the human client because that's how we're reaching the dog, right? Mm-hmm. We're reaching the dog through the person. So trying to allow for skill building, that's not just about dog training, skill building, that's also about the human aspect of it is really important. Okay. Tell us more about that. What does that that mean? (laughs) So I like to call it person-centered dog training. So that's kind of the phrase that I've been using in order to kind of frame like the coaching work that I do with trainers. Um, I have a group coaching program. That's like a cohort model um, that I'm going to be launching one soon publicly. I've done it privately so far. I haven't done it like publicly yet. Um, So coming soon on that. Um, But basically in that space, I like to talk about kind of core counseling skills that I have baked into me from my training, right? So dog trainers, you're experts on dogs, but I also know kind of some tips and tricks and helpful things and helpful mindset tools to help you work with humans and connect with them uh, more effectively and therefore hopefully have them reach their goals you know, more easily and those types of things. And also to help with that compassion fatigue that dog trainers go through, right? So if we're talking about dog trainers as helping professionals, which they are, they are experiencing the exact same things that I experience as a clinician, as a therapist. Um, the, the burnout, the sometimes feeling like jaded, right? All the things that come up frustrated, uh, you know, with your work, frustrated towards clients sometimes. Like it's it's real, it happens, it's normal. Um, but I have spent years and years and years getting formal training and supervision and mentorship and support in my field to be there and continue to show up by give, you know, being given those tools to work through the burnout and giving that support. And I don't see dog trainers getting the same support. So yeah, yeah. that's what I'm hoping do- uh, person-centered dog training is going to be. It's going to be something that's focused on helping the trainers um, work more sustainably in this in this field because we need you badly. <laughs> so please stick around, right? And also in order to connect better with their clients and have more success there. Yeah. Well, I like it. I like it. Everything you're saying, it makes so much sense too, because you know, you're giving trainers the tools to help their clients, mm-hmm. which in turn helps their dogs and everyone right. around them, hopefully, <laughs> right? if they can communicate better in general. Um, and, and then also helping the actual trainers with their own uh, mm-hmm. struggles through dealing with clients. And I think 
frustration is definitely, I think a big factor of, yeah. you know, my client does not do what I tell her. Yes. To do. Right. And, right. and if you feel sorry for the dog because the person's not, you know, giving them the best, um, kind of situation to excel in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it can't be very frustrating. I think. Yep. And that is again, exactly what I experienced as a therapist. I spent most of my career working with children, adolescents, um, and trauma. And so that's kind of like where my niche has been as a, as a therapist. And so it's even more prominent in terms of being like a child therapist and adolescent therapist, where I have to kind of go through the family, right. In order to support the child, same thing for dog trainers, having to go through the owner to support the dog. If we left the dog with you, and you could just work with them all the time and you could, they could live with you. It would be a different story, right? Then sending them home and giving them homework and crossing your fingers <laughs> that they do it and all of that. It's the same thing that I go through with, with my clients too, um, in the therapy world. So that really gets to you. That's really hard when you don't see it happening or you don't see it playing out or you see detrimental things happening, right? That you're like, this is actively undoing what I'm hoping to achieve with this dog. And dog trainers have a passion for working with dogs. That's why they're in the field. We want to help dogs, but you have to help the person or at least learn to meet them where they are to have the best potential outcome for that dog. And if you are missing that piece, then there's going to be clients who will absolutely show up and do the work and it's going to be great, but there's going to be some that that don't, and you might need to take a different focus and a different approach that centers them. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who I had on a a long time ago, a dog trainer or someone, maybe it was somebody who was like helping people start their dog training businesses. Mm -hmm. But she said that, you know, people came to her all the time and said, I I became a dog trainer because I hate people and I love dogs. (laughs) And she was like, that is my least favorite thing. I hate when people say that because you need to communicate with the people. That's like your direct line to the dog. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so that's where like, that's the, again, the gap that I'm trying to fill. Like here's some core pieces that I sort of use in counseling that allow for, you know, setting the stage for the best success there. Some of the Mm -hmm. basics that we approach things with some human centered stuff, um, that we learn in school, honestly, that we learn in, in counseling school. And then we learn to apply and we get supervised and we get, you know, our sessions recorded and all those sorts of things that, you know, we spend a lot of time practicing this stuff and that's just like a a missing piece. It's not a detriment or like a deficit, um, rather for dog trainers. It's just a piece that you don't necessarily have all the time baked into, you know, your training, but it is baked into mine. And so I'm like, Hey, I have some stuff to share. Yeah, no, I, I think it sounds like an amazing asset. Um, so you're, so you're focusing mainly on helping dog trainers, but do you think that there's other, canine or pet industry professionals that would benefit from this kind of knowledge? I do. I really, I've been talking to people lately about working with like people in the veterinary world, because we know for sure that there, there is so much stress and so much mental health, um, you know, challenges going on in like the vet industry because, so many reasons, because of so many reasons, I can't, it would need like 14 episodes. Right. <laughs> and I know that there are, there are veterinary social workers out there who, who really specialize in that sort of thing. Um, and so that's sort of an area that I'm really interested in getting, um, getting to know more and supporting more, um, because we really, really need them to be well too. You know, we need that that supportive vet who's kind of be able to show up for their clients and not get drained by it and not get burnt out themselves. Yeah. We, cause we need them there for like a long time. We don't just <laughs> want someone to be a vet for five years and then peace out. 
Right. Exactly. And that's how I feel about the dog trainers too. Right. It's again, it's all a long haul process and we need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking okay. as a dog owner who really needs <laughs> the supportive people, I needed them so much. Thank goodness for the dog trainers I had. I'm so, so grateful. Like they changed everything for us, the dog trainers that we kind of found um, after some rough experiences <laughs> at first. Um, but you know, when we found the right fit for us, I don't know what I would have done without them. Like they allowed me to have the life with Dio that I have now. I credit them with that. And I, I couldn't be more thankful for that. And if they weren't there, where would we be? I love hearing stories like that. You know, I, I love when people are like, I, I met this one particular trainer Mm -hmm. that like introduced me to this thing. And all of a sudden it all clicked into place. And I don't know why it took so long to figure this out, but here we are. And so, so you really do, we need every single trainer, not, Mm -hmm. not just like the top 10% or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I really even, I like to think about it that way where we need all of you, right? Because I definitely have taken pieces from different trainers that I've worked with too, and kind of blended them into what works best for us and what gave us the most success. And so I had, you know, our first our first real trainer, I say real because the first um, trainer I went to with him, I don't know that, <laughs> that I would consider them, um, you know, it was just like one of those things where uh, I think we dropped out after like four sessions or four group classes or something like that. That's still pretty long. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like an eight. Session. We were told, I was, I was repeatedly told to like, tell my dog to be quiet, literally just tell him to be quiet. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I just, <laughs> like, I just, I'm so sorry. He doesn't, my know. Dog doesn't like, speak English. Sorry. The puppy does not speak English. I don't know what to say. Um, but you know, we had our, our first real, real support and then I I explored from there. And what was really cool was that trainer was really supportive of that. She was like, try this. This person has this type of class. This person has this type of approach. So she was really um, encouraging me to take like an eclectic kind of approach to working with him and reaching out to others who didn't maybe have the specialties that she did. And like blending all of that together was a really cool experience and helped me just learn a lot, but also, you know, allowed for such like a beautiful relationship with my dog, which is one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. Well, it just hearing you talk about it in that way kind of made me think that, you know, we think of medicine and law are a practice Mm -hmm. and you get, it's not something that is perfected. It's not a science really. I mean, medicine, hopefully the science, but like you you have a medical practice because you're always practicing and always learning. Uh, And I think we don't always think of dog trainers in that way. We expect Mm -hmm. like the one person you hire to have all the answers. Right. Uh, Right. And this like combining and referring you to a specialist, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's much like our own medical health. So Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And that's something I talk to dog owners about too. So I, I tell people, people ask me for therapy recommendations all the time. What's a, who's a therapist I should see. And I always tell people, you should really shop for your therapist. You should shop for your dog trainer and you should take the perspective of multiple people and kind of keep exploring and, and take it as a, a journey, right? Enjoy that time versus like, I have a goal I must meet and we need to get to this point. I was absolutely like that. And that contributed a lot to my own burnout with my dog, right? I had this very specific vision in mind for what we were going to be and what our life was going to be like. And he was going to be a therapy dog. And, um, he actually did end up like passing the certifications for that. He did get, you know, he, I think it was pet partners. Yeah. It was pet partners. We went through and, 
he can do it behaviorally, right? But it's not for him, actually. It's really not a good fit for him. And so he doesn't practice therapy with me. He doesn't go to work with me. He doesn't meet with clients. Um, but man, I held pretty tightly to that vision. <laughs> You're like, we're going to get that certification, whether you like it or not. But we, and we did. And then we started and I was like, this is not for you. <laughs> I started taking him to work and realizing and, you know, recognizing this was not a good fit for him. Um, but if I had just really stuck with that, right. And had that like one track mind about it, that was something that contributed contributed majorly yeah. to, to well, me struggling. Imagine if you had like forced it, mm-hmm. you would, no one would have had a good time. No, no. Right. Exactly. And I, you know, and I, I feel bad to this. I have like dog mom guilt to this day about not realizing it soon enough. Like I didn't take him to work for very long. Um, thankfully I kind of caught it quickly, but I didn't realize some of the signs that he was showing were stress signs at first. Um, and so once I did, I was like, Oh, and now you're just my therapy dog at home. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and he's perfectly happy with that. That's so. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for people who are listening, maybe, maybe they have a reactive dog, maybe they don't, but all of our dogs can be frustrating (laughs) at some point in time. Um, so can you give us any tips that we can implement? Um, Mm -hmm. like when we're, when we're feeling that frustration or just feeling like, Oh my God, I can't take it anymore. Yep, absolutely. So the first thing I always ask people and encourage people to start with is creating a lot of awareness around the thoughts that you're having related to whatever challenge is going on with your dog. Um, because right. Our emotions are very loud. And it makes sense that they are, right? They take over your body. You feel them viscerally, right? They drive us so much. And sometimes the perspective, the mindset, the thought process that we're having that's kind of underneath those emotions is not necessarily getting looked at and um, challenged and examined and really just, you know, taking the time to do that and kind of recognizing what what's the story that I'm telling myself right now that's contributing to this frustration or this anxiety about my dog, whatever it is that you're, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Any of those things are going to be driven by what's going on underneath in the kind of mindset. Again, what story am I telling myself? What voices are sort of influencing me? Where am I telling myself I should be doing something differently or something should look, you know, this certain way that it doesn't look, you know, am I getting influenced by people's opinions? And am I kind of like taking that in and then feeling frustrated about it, all those things that can go in so many directions. I always encourage people to kind of take a step back when they're feeling really like any kind of heightened emotion and do some journaling around what's the thought process there. Take five minutes, literally set a timer on your phone for five minutes and do a stream of consciousness journal. Just don't let your pen stop moving until the the tape that's playing in your mind, the narrative that's there is kind of out on paper. Because when you can look at that and be like, wow, I didn't really realize how much, you know, my aunt's opinion of my dog's behavior was contributing to me feeling like he should act differently. Do I really, do I care if he acts differently or do I care because someone else cares, right? So if you can start to like examine the stuff that's underneath it's going to change things pretty drastically. Like you don't even have to necessarily implement all of the coping skills and all those things to feel a change just by bringing some awareness to what's going on internally for you. 
That's great advice. And I, I feel like I need to go do that as soon as we're done talking. <laughs> I, not Nothing dog, but just like anything in life, like anything yeah, right. that you said, like that you have a heightened emotion or, or overwhelming mm-hmm. emotion about just to set that timer and like word vomit out. Yep. yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's a really, you. it's a really powerful exercise because you know, we have to kind of get it out of our, our minds and look at it in front of us to be able to pick it apart a little bit, kind of separate ourselves from it, give it, give it some distance. So it's not just floating around in there. Like I always joke that it's like, it's like pulling the strings in the shadows, right? Like you don't really realize how much your thought process is influencing the way that you're feeling until you really take a step back and look at it. And as soon as you shine a light on that, things start to change. You can't change anything without being aware of what it is that's going on. So that's, that's just step one. Like that's baseline. Cause we're, our thoughts don't always go like this, a thing happened, then this B thing happened. And therefore I'm going to do C it's just like subconscious. <laughs> right. And, it's automatic, know. right. It's mm-hmm. all the time. It's, and all of those thoughts, like our automatic thoughts, thoughts come from so many places, right. Our childhood experiences that we've had, Um, the larger culture and society around us, the culture in which we were raised, like so many places. Right. And so if we don't examine that and say like, do I actually feel this way? Do I buy into this? Or is this something that's just like deeply ingrained in me and it's still influencing me. And I think that that is just one of the coolest ways that our dogs help us grow and give us an opportunity to work on ourselves Um, our dogs don't really let us like look away from our stuff. Like they keep bringing it up all the time. And I just think that we can take that as like an opportunity to work on things. Cause like you said, you can utilize that sort of tool in so many areas of your life. And if you got inspired to do that because of your relationship with your dog, that's like just an amazing way that they've helped you grow as a person in all aspects of your life, not just with them. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so Jess, how do you have services or an online course perhaps, um, (laughs) that people can take to learn more about this? Yes. So for dog owners, um, for reactive dog owners, separation, anxiety, behavioral issues, whatever it is, I have a course called coping with canines and it's a hybrid course. So, um, that means like it's self-paced there's, you know, video modules and worksheets that you can go through at your own at your own pace, um, take pieces of it, whatever resonates with you. And you would have lifetime access to that. And then there's like a cool bonus to it, which I love, which is a social support aspect. And so we have a monthly group coaching call on zoom. So anyone who's in the program can join those monthly calls. We all just like chat about our dogs, what's going on with them. I always try to bring the conversation back around to like, how can you cope with this better? Right. Cause this is a space for you, not like training advice necessarily. Right. So Everyone is just connecting on understanding what it's like to have a challenging dog in there. We also have like a private um, Facebook group where people post and celebrate wins and say, oh my gosh, I have a vet appointment tomorrow. I'm so nervous. Everyone send good thoughts and people are following up and saying, how did it go? Good job. You know, that sort of thing. So it's just a cool space um, for whether you want to connect with others or you want to kind of work through like the concrete skills um, that can support your mental health. Um, And that's for dog owners. I also do one-on-ones with dog owners as well, doing um, individual coaching and and support packages and things like that for different issues. And then for dog trainers, I do that one-on-one coaching and support as well. And my person-centered dog training program is something that again, I'm launching publicly pretty soon. Haven't like set an official date, but I'm, I'm like behind the scenes sketching out the, uh, 
the launch plan. So again, I run it, I run it privately with some training groups, um, some businesses, and it's just, it's just been amazing. So I'm really excited to offer it more widely. Cool. Well, keep us posted um, so we can all check it out. Um, and, and speaking of checking it all out, where can we go? What's the website? Yep. Handlersandhumans.com. And I'm pretty active on Instagram at Handlers and Humans too. Okay. All right. Well, just thank you so much. Um, we, I, I feel like we talked about Dio. I didn't talk about Dio enough. I wanted to like get <laughs> more into his head, but um, maybe we'll have to have a follow-up conversation. Yeah, that sounds good. I love, I could talk about Dio all the time. So anytime. <laughs> yes. I would love that. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for your time thank and you. uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks so much. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wherewagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Where Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wherewagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.